0: good morning morning. welcome to worship today special welcome to friends guests and visitors and to those who are joining us online or by phone we're very glad to be gathered with you today around the presence of christ and word and sacrament I invite you to take a look at the announcements uh, printed in your bulletin Um, just a a couple of uh, brief additions or updates to that too Um, one is that uh, uh, we, uh, I had a question right before the service um, about uh, the earthquake in Turkey and Syria and um, if people are able to contribute to that through Trinity. And, and the answer is yes. Um, the ELCA disaster response has, oh, we need the microphone turned up. Better. Okay. Uh, so just to repeat that, say if you'd like to donate to the earthquake victims in, in uh, Turkey and Syria, the ELCA Disaster Response has a uh, fund for that and if you'd like Trinity to pass on a gift for you to that fund, uh, just be sure to write somewhere uh, that it's for that so that we know uh, to send it on to ELCA Disaster Response. But I, I know several people are, are, uh, are thinking and praying about those around the world who are suffering from that. I want to thank Erin for uh, uh, being with us today, uh, filling in for our uh, musician Wendy Ward who is um, uh, out of town for her brother's funeral so we're continuing to pray for Wendy and her family and we're very glad that Erin was willing to fill in so that Wendy could be where she needs to be today. Um, Are there any other Announcements that we should be sure to make today? Uh, I did not. They're all, hey, there we go. Let's, uh, let's celebrate that. <laughs> yeah. just, just the background to say we were trying to pay off our, our roof and boiler loan. Uh, as soon as all the envelopes on that board were gone, we were covered. So uh, thank you all for your, for your generosity. So thank you, Vicki. Is there anything else that we should be sure to announce today? If not, we'll begin our service with our prelude music. Stand to your evil. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who makes all things new, whose mercy endures forever. Amen. Amen. Trusting in God's mercy, let us confess our sin. Holy One, source of our renewal, we confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. We have not practiced your righteousness, Our hearts have turned away from you for the sake of the world you so love. Forgive us that we may be reconciled to one another for your glory of your holy name. Amen. Thus says our God, the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare. God's mercy makes us new. We are forgiven in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the communion of the holy spirit be with you all and also with you. let us pray you who chose the jewish people to be your people to receive your commandments do not steal do not lie do not spend your days longing for the life of your neighbor take care of the immigrant the widow and the orphan These aren't just rules for your people to follow, but a vision for how to live in right relationship with you and with all you have created. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, a man many called rabbi, sometimes forget that Jesus did not do away with those ancient commands. Instead, he called our attention to ways in which keeping the commandments go beyond just avoiding a lie or refraining from taking what is not yours. Jesus teaches us to live according to the commandments according to your vision for life and for one another is ultimately a matter of the heart for all of us who want our hearts to be in sync with yours help us to take your vision of life together to heart may we choose life with all that we have and grow into the people you've called us to be amen please be seated
1: Our first reading is from the book of Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter. Moses said to the people, see, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous and the Lord will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish, you shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him. For that means life to you, and length of days so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Word of God, word of life. Our second reading is from 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. Brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For one says, I belong to Paul and another, I belong to Apollos. Are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants, nor the one who waters anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, Working together, you are God's field, God's building. Word of God, word of life.
0: holy gospel according to Matthew Jesus said to the disciples you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times you shall not murder and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment but I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister you will be liable to judgment And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends, I ask for you to pray with me for a moment. Loving spirit, open our hearts and our ears. Transform us inside and out and let us hear your voice here and now today that we might be your light and salt for the world. Amen. I'd like to start in kind of a weird way, uh, with a weird question, but have any of you ever accidentally put away a dirty dish that you thought was clean, you put it in the cupboard and realized that it was dirty after the fact? I'm glad to see some nodding heads that it's not just me. But if you are like me, maybe you wake up one morning you're a little bit groggy and so you start unloading the dishwasher or the dish rack because uh, you make the assumption that everything in it is is fresh and clean but part way through the task you realize that these aren't clean dishes at all and that you have to retrace your steps and figure out which ones you put away right? Or maybe you've seen a coffee cup on the counter assuming that it just needed to go back up into the cupboard so you, it looks clean on the outside but you put it back in and then later when you pull it out to use it you are Kind of disgusted and shocked to see what's in the bottom of that cup <laughs> so towards the end of matthew's gospel jesus uses kind of a strange metaphor he uses the metaphor of dirty dishes to confront the religious leaders of his day he says to them woe to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate but inside They are full of greed and self-indulgence. Instead, he says, first clean the inside of the cup so that also the outside may become clean. So if you ever wanted advice from Jesus on how to do your dishes, it's in Matthew. In other words, before you put the coffee cup back in the cupboard, make sure that you look inside it as well as outside it to make sure that it's clean. We do have to be a bit careful here when we use Matthew's Gospel. Uh, Some of Matthew's texts about the scribes and the Pharisees have been used inappropriately uh, to justify anti-Judaism throughout the centuries. We have to understand that Matthew is written uh, polemically for a purpose, uh, writing in the heat of a lively debate following the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, so we can't take things that he was assuming then and assume that they are true now. So, some of what we hear falls into the trap of stereotyping his opponents, and we should not make assumptions about our Jewish neighbors who are called to love based on these texts. But with that as preface, I do find that Jesus' words about dirty dishes here are helpful for making sense of of texts like today uh, from the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5. You see, one of the consistent criticisms by Jesus and Matthew's narrative of of the religious leaders of his day is that they are too focused on outward appearances and not enough on inward righteousness. To call someone a hypocrite, after all, is to accuse them of wearing a mask that hides what's going on underneath it. So in today's Gospel reading, Jesus shows again that he's concerned not just about the outside of the cup, the external but also about the inside of the cup, our internal righteousness, our internal transformation. According to Jesus, it's not enough just to refrain from killing your neighbor, uh, which I hope most of us obeyed this week. But that would kind of be like scrubbing just the outside of the cup, right? And we should be careful, Jesus says that we shouldn't just do that, we should also be careful not to uh, insult someone, call them names out of anger, uh, kind of as if that were the root of what leads to murder eventually. Because sometimes, inside the cup, even if we're doing okay not killing people, we're still, we have murderous thoughts within, or the, the, the seeds of murderous thoughts within us. Likewise, for adultery and divorce, and some of this is cultural, historical stuff too, but uh, Jesus, again, heightens the stakes. It's not enough to do just the external minimum, Jesus says. Jesus says, look inside the cup, too. And as for making oaths, Jesus says, stop it. That's just outward show. Sometimes we can even hide behind our external oaths like a mask, too. Instead, Jesus says, clean the cup inside and out. Don't swear on stuff, he says. Instead, just let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. And that anything more than that comes from the evil one just as an aside i what think about this text sometimes during our ceremonies where we see people swe- swearing upon Bibles uh, I suppose there's a certain ritual beauty to that practice but why not simply let our yes be yes and our no be no when we promise to tell the truth or fulfill an office Part of what I see going on here, and this isn't Jesus' word, but this is the word that comes to mind for me, is a matter of congruence. That our inside matches our outside, that what we do in private matches what we do in public. There was a 20th century psychologist by the name of Carl Rogers who wrote a lot about congruence. And for Rogers, congruence is a state in which our ideal self and our actual experience are consistent or similar and that we feel distressed when our public and private self get too far apart. That is, our internal and values are reflected externally by the way we live. And to put it another way, that the cup in the cupboard is clean inside and out. That our insides and our outsides match. Now, it's important to add here that Rogers felt that it was pretty rare or even impossible for us to reach a perfect state of congruence any time or let alone all the time and that most of us live with a certain amount of congruence, but that at heart we have a yearning for that congruence between our insides and our outsides, that we can be our true, not false selves in private and in public, that the values we hold dear are the ways that we live our lives. Perhaps some of us feel that yearning awakened again today as we listen to Jesus. Maybe we've done a pretty good job of not killing someone, but then we think back to some of the demeaning words we've said, to some of the thoughts we've had about loved ones and neighbors. We feel that uncomfortable distance between our inside and our outside. This is perhaps part of the unique pain of when uh, a trusted, uh, person we trust or a person we look, look up to betrays us. I've been thinking a lot about the example of, and we could think of many examples, but this is the one that's on my mind today. The example of the Canadian theologian, Jean Vanier. Uh, Sojourners, the magazine, has been doing an investigative piece on on this, which is part of the reason I've been uh, thinking about this. But uh, Vanier was considered by many to be a living saint during his lifetime. He did remarkable work, founding communities all over the world, to support people with developmental disabilities, and those who assisted them. He was known for writing about peace and gentleness, but shortly after his death, reports of abuse began to surface. And I remember being completely shocked by this because here was a progressive, peaceful leader, someone that I admired. And I think about how I, like so many others, kind of drank the Kool-Aid of his celebrity. And so it was such a shock, and still is, is so painful for so many, To hear this distance between his public persona and his private behavior. That the outside of the cup that we all saw did not match the inside. And I know we can all think of examples of this in our world in our lives too. Times when we assume the cup is clean, but that it's how painful it is when we look inside and find something different. But where does this leave us? Reading Jesus' words today can leave us in a bit of a bind, a bit like, what what is the point? We long for this kind of congruity between inside and out, but then our experience leaves us wondering if it's possible for us or for anyone. We've been burned too many times before. And where is the grace of God in all of this? It is a bit shocking to hear Jesus say things like, Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Or it is better to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. But if you give a text to a Lutheran, we, we tend to squeeze and, 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 and reach for whatever grace there is possible. And there's kind of a classic Lutheran move here. Um, uh, we we often read these texts in in terms of our lenses for law and gospel law that reminds us of our need for god and gospel that announces that that grace is for us and so the classic lutheran move here is to say that jesus isn't really saying these things because he expects us to do this he's just heightening heightening the uh the the expectation so that we realize our great need for god and i think that's an okay okay way to read this text if you need to hear it know that 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 God's grace is for you, that this text is is uncovering that great need for for God in us. But I would like us to push a little further because I think it's a little more complex than that uh, in the context of Matthew's gospel. Because while Lutherans say, you know, this is just a preaching of the law to show us that we need the gospel, I think Matthew and his community and Jesus as according to Matthew's narrative, Thinks that we can be the light of the world by doing the will of God. And so I think there is an element here of, of ethical challenge that pushes us further. And so if we're looking for grace here, it is not so much, uh, I find the grace not so much in the words that are being said, but in the person who is saying them. If we want to find congruence in this world, I hear that it's best not to look to ourselves or to our heroes. That if we want to find congruence, we look to Jesus, the one offering us these words. Right before this text, Jesus says that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. The New Testament scholar Mark Allen Powell puts it this way. How does Jesus fulfill the law? He does it so in Matthew's narrative in two ways. First of all, Jesus lives in a way that is perfectly consistent with the will of God. If you want to know what god's will looks like on earth look to jesus this is especially true when jesus exemplifies servanthood as jesus will say later on in the gospel the son of man came not to be served but to serve and jesus fulfills the law by revealing god's good and gracious nature to us through service and self-giving love the second way that jesus fulfills the law is through his teaching he teaches with such authority, that's something that people say about him over and over again, and I interpret that as that he is so congruent with God's will that, uh, that whatever he says has that force of authority to it. And central to Jesus' teaching about the law is that the love of God and neighbor are central, that they are the pinnacle commands on which the law and the prophets hang. That if you want to know what God's will is on earth, what the law is, You have to start with those commands to love God and love your neighbor. So in other words, if you want to interpret the law correctly, to do God's will on earth, everything must be seen through those lenses of love. So to put all this in another way, Jesus fulfills the law by being congruent with God's will inside and out. That if you feel that yearning in yourself today, that our insides match our outsides, we find it in the person of Jesus in the Lord's prayer we pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and in some ways those things mean the same thing in a lot of Hebrew poetry and prayers there's kind of this parallelism where they'll say it one way and they'll say the exact same thing in slightly different words so to say that the kingdom is coming and God's will is being done on earth the same thing. If Jesus is doing the will of God on earth, it is a sign that the kingdom of God is beginning, is on its way. So, Jesus uses a lot of metaphors to describe himself in Scripture. He calls himself a shepherd, he calls himself uh, bread, he calls himself the uh, vine, all, all these metaphors. I'd like to suggest a new one today. Uh, maybe we can think of Jesus. As our cosmic dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> that when we become his disciples, that when we are bathed and cleansed in the waters of our baptism, Jesus cleans us inside and out. That Jesus does for us what we are unable to do for ourselves, that his congruence, his oneness with God, uh, gives us congruence in our own lives. We may not always live there yet but it is given to us when we are with Jesus. That Jesus embodies it on our behalf. That he calls us, like those disciples so many years ago, to walk beside him on the path, praying alongside him God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, trying to live the, the, the way that Jesus lived, not because we can do it perfectly, perfectly, but because we have our eyes on him. Jesus fulfills the law for us, by being congruent with God's will, inside and out. And so this is a difficult text. I invite you to carry it with you this week. But remember that the good news is the person who is speaking it to you, that we are given the congruence that Jesus has with God because he has come to us first. Amen.
2: Together to follow Jesus, we pray for the church, the world, and all and
3: you.
4: Inspire your church that it may be a sign of life throughout the world, from the exploration of faith with children and new believers to missionaries and bishops. Shape lives of faithfulness so that all find abundant life in your ways. Merciful God,
0: receive our prayer.
4: Nourish your creation. Accompany all who plant and water. Bless the work of farmers. Provide for subsistence farmers facing drought and climate change. Guide the work of agricultural scientists towards sustainable ways to feed the world. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Give growth where there seems to be no hope for life in nations and regions where reconciliation seems impossible. Empower peacemakers with your spirit, where death holds sway through violence, disease, and hunger. Equip relief workers to bring hope. We pray especially for those suffering from the earthquake in Syria and Turkey. Merciful God.
5: Bring healing to all who experience trauma caused by systems of injustice and destructive relationships. Give courage to those struggling to repent and those seeking reconciliation. Sustain all who work for restoration, especially domestic abuse intervention services. Merciful God. Receive our prayer. Encourage this congregation. Call us to a common purpose and keep us from quarreling Turn our hearts toward you and guide our leaders so that our choices may be life-giving for all. Help us to nurture those among us who are in need, especially Catherine, Doris, Judy, Sharon, and Jim. Merciful God. Receive our prayer. Thanks be to you for the lives of all who have died in Christ. Teach us to follow them in your ways and gather us with them into the promise Of eternal life with you. Merciful God, receive
0: our prayer. God, we ask you to surround Wendy and her family this morning as they remember her brother. Merciful God, receive our prayer. prayer. We bring to you our needs and hopes, O God, trusting your wisdom and power revealed in Christ crucified. Amen. Just a brief connection to today's text to what we're about to do, you'll notice that Jesus said that we should make peace with one another before we bring our offering to the Lord, before we come together at the table, uh, and so that is part of the reason we do peace at this time in the service, so that we might be at peace with one another before bringing our offering. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. share a sign of peace with those around you. Please stand as you are able.
2: Let us pray. Liberating God, you break the bonds of injustice and let the oppressed go free. Receive these offerings in thanksgiving for all your works of merciful power and shape us as people of your justice and freedom you we magnify and adore through Jesus Christ our Savior Amen.
0: the Lord be with you. And also with you lift up your hearts let us give thanks to the Lord our God
3: it is, right to give our
0: and grace. It is indeed right our duty and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. By the leading of a star, he was shown forth to all nations. In the waters of the Jordan, you proclaimed him in your, your beloved son. And in the miracle of water turned to wine, he revealed your glory. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed are you, O holy God, you are the life and light of all. By your powerful word you created all things. Through the prophets you called your people to be a light to the nations. Blessed are you for Jesus, your Son. He is your light, shining in our darkness and revealing to us your mercy and might. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. It's my body, given for you, do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his preaching and healing, his dying and rising, and his promise to come again, We await that day when all the universe will rejoice in your holy and life-giving light by your spirit bless us in this meal that refreshed with this heavenly food we might be light for the world revealing the brilliance of your son through him all glory and honor is yours almighty father with the holy spirit in your holy church both now and forever Amen. gathered into one by the holy spirit let us pray as jesus taught and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated while we share some instructions for communion. To communion today, you'll go to the side aisles and come forward. We're at the front. There are these two uh, side tables where you will pick up an empty cup and bring it with you to the railing. At the railing, your cup will be filled with wine and you will receive bread. If you need uh, gluten-free or juice those are also at these two side tables just grab those elements on your way forward and bring them to the railing after you commune at the railing you'll return down the center aisle and place your empty cup in the bowl by the center aisle we want all friends guests and visitors to know that you are you are very welcome to co- to commune with us today uh, we believe the invitation comes to you from Christ and that this is the Lord's table not our table And so we hope you feel welcome to come forward if you wish. Uh, We extend our communion and our fellowship to those who are joining us online or by phone. We're so glad to be gathered around the presence of Christ with you today. Come and taste the joy of God. Please rise as you are able. May the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen, keep, and unite us, now and forever. Amen.
2: Let us pray. Holy One, we thank you for the healing that springs forth abundantly from this table. Renew our strength to do justice love kindness, and journey humbly with you.
0: Just briefly before the final blessing, uh, beginning of the service, my announcement sheet got stuck between the pages of my sermon, so I couldn't quite find it. So there are a couple of things I meant to say uh, that I forgot to say, so just to add these on. Uh, It's Clem Baker's 95th birthday coming up, and we would love if he got some cards for that. Uh, His uh, address is in the bulletin with one small change. It's North Gulf Glen. Uh, Sharon wanted me to clarify. Uh, instead of drive so North Gulf Glen and let's remember Clem on his 95th birthday and then uh, Paul Erickson who's our uh, education chair on the on the council Um, we've been talking for a while about doing a series of conversations on the ELCA social statements um, on a variety of issues but these are meant to be teaching documents from our church on some of the big issues of our contemporary life and we thought maybe one of the most timely one would be, uh, would be the 1991 statement on abortion. Uh, so if you uh, would like copies of that statement in preparation for a conversation later this month, there are copies on the back table back here. It's also online. I can get you a copy of that if anyone would like to review that for a later conversation.
1: All right. Thanks for,
0: <clears throat> thanks for letting me squeeze those in there. THE GOD WHO FAITHFULLY BRINGS FORTH JUSTICE AND BREAKS THE OPPRESSOR'S ROD BLESS, STRENGTHEN, AND UPHOLD YOU TODAY AND ALWAYS. AMEN.
2: THE MISSION OF TRINITY LUTHERAN CHURCH IS TO PROCLAIM AND CELEBRATE THE LOVE OF JESUS CHRIST, TO LIVE AS GOD'S SERVANTS IN THE WORLD, AND TO BE A CARING AND HEALING COMMUNITY. GO IN PEACE. Follow the way of Jesus.
5: Thanks be to God.